Welcome to the Art of Communicating Data Show, where every episode we try to improve how you communicate data, whether it's through data visualizations, reports, or presentations. Every episode will share tips and tricks from data experts and will leave you with actionable recommendations to improve your data communication skills. The goal is to help you grow in your data career by getting your work and you recognized through effective communication. I'm your host, Hannah, a geographer turned data professional and an introvert who loves public speaking. Let's get started. Imagine having a step-by-step roadmap to show you what is involved with creating effective data presentations. My name is Hannah, and I'm the founder of Trending Analytics, and I help people visualize and present data effectively. I want to give you my data presentation roadmap today. It's a simple step-by-step guide to all elements of an effective data presentation. This roadmap will give you a clear direction on how to prepare for your next data presentation, and it's absolutely free. To get my free data presentation roadmap, just go here, trendinganalytics.com roadmap. That's trending-analytics.com roadmap, and I'll have it in your inbox in just a few seconds. Welcome back to the second season of the Art of Communicating Data Show. This season, we will have some exciting guest interviews and episodes for you, so let's jump right in. Welcome back to another episode. Today we have a guest, Brittany, who is going to be talking to us about her data analytics experience as well as her advice on communicating for data professionals who are working in the industry. So welcome, Brittany. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Could you tell me more about yourself and the role you have and the company you work for? Sure. So first off, just thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm very humbled that you're allowing me to talk about what I love to do. So I am actually a lead analyst. I was recently promoted from senior analyst to lead analyst. So I've been very, very busy. But the company I work for, it's called Chick-fil-A. It's a, I work at the corporate office and it's, I've worked there for let me say about a year and a half now, formerly I worked at Home Depot corporate office and they're US-based company. And I have been in data for almost 10 years now. So I've been an analyst majority of those 10 years. I do, I have a bachelor's and a master's degree, both in information system from the University of Georgia. I've been interested and data and analytics for a very long time. And I hope to, you know, keep going with this track of like just coaching and helping others understand how to better use data to improve the way that they work to help us see gaps and to encourage people that may be looking to get into data that it's possible for them. That's really awesome. I know there are a lot of folks who are interested in getting into data and they're often confused or overwhelmed by a lot of resources and sometimes even confused by hearing different opinions. So I'm really glad that you're on here with your program that we'll talk about later in the show, as well as on social media, helping other people get into the world of data. So thank you so much for doing that. So you mentioned you just got promoted to be a lead analyst and that's terrific news. Could you share different forms of communication either in this new role that you just started or the previous role you had as a senior data analyst? So the different forms of communication you often use to communicate your work? So 
I think there are really just three buckets here. So make it very simple. The first is done usually in meetings. I would say 50% of my work in a week happens in meetings. So these are one-on-one sessions that I'm having. I didn't say also, I work in the the legal department of where I work. Before I worked in like merchandising, I've like I've worked in many different departments. So I've worked in supply chain. I've worked in just marketing at one point. So I've, I've done a lot of different departments. So I've I've had a, a broad experience. Right now I'm in legal. So doing a lot of data coaching right now. So I'm trying to build data literacy with attorneys and you know, leadership and it's, it's, it's exciting. And so I'm trying to explain, this is sometimes why we use the average instead of the median or why we use median instead of the average, or like, I'm trying to communicate how I'm able to pull together different data sets from different systems using SQL, or I'm trying to communicate my recommendation for where they should go next for a certain process. And so these meetings are done all the time. It's very typical for me to have four or five meetings a day just with different stakeholders. So sometimes they're internal to my department, sometimes they're external to my department. It really just depends. But a lot of meetings happen for me on a daily basis. So I would say like 50% meetings for sure. The next thing are presentations. So this is different from meetings. Presentations for me are usually given to a larger audience. And so that may be me doing a presentation on a certain dashboard or scorecards or talking to the department about why data matters for us, what analytics can do for us. Or I might be just talking about, you know, what what our spend may look like for the next couple of years, like what we project them to be, just depending on the use case, but presentations about a quarter of the time. And then finally, the next thing, I do a lot of written communication. So this may not be like me physically speaking to someone, but I am writing down in emails, reports, summaries, recommendations. I have to write down what it is I'm trying to get across. So if it's a report about a process that we're working on or sales or just trying to communicate a specific concept to somebody, maybe a statistical concept, or maybe I'm trying to help somebody understand coding and Python and they can't talk right now. So I have to literally write down directions. I have to write business process guides for people. And so that's also very important to understand how to write effectively what what sounds good, what can be confusing, you know, hearing things from different viewpoints in your head, you know, you're, you're just trying to get it right. And so these things, although I think typical in a corporate settings, having meeting presentations, emails, they're very foundational, I think, to skill sets of analysts, even if you're, if you're just coming in or you're, you just graduated college or something, having both written and oral communication skills is very important and foundational to what you'll be doing every day. Yeah, that that's really interesting how you mentioned it from the beginning, like 50% of your time is spent on meetings and you know verbal communication that doesn't even include presentations, which is another quarter. Mm-hmm. 
and your audience are often non-data folks. So you're communicating to them in a way that is hopefully understandable for them. And it will look different depending if you're communicating to a technical or a data audience. So that's really interesting that you're spending Absolutely. a lot of that time. Right? Most people that I interact with currently are non-data people. So I spend a lot of time trying to educate on just this is why you need to be looking at your data. This is a dashboard. This is how to use a dashboard, how to navigate it. This, These are the tools that I use and why I use them. So it's a lot of just, you know, getting to teach and coach. But when I am talking to more analytical people that kind of live in my world, it is a, a very different conversation. We often get into the technical versus explaining just kind of concepts. So it's a very different depending on the audience. Right. You also mentioned you sometimes create dashboards for folks. How often are you creating dashboards or data visualizations? Yeah, that's a great question. So I create, I think I, I create a dashboard probably once a month. Visuals I create probably once a week though. So Dashboards are often requested, especially from like people that, you know, they may think that they need a dashboard, but they actually really don't. And so it's important, especially as an analyst, that you really do the requirements gathering stage of analysis. I don't think this this part of analysis gets as much attention as it needs to. Oftentimes we're kind of excited and jump into, okay, let's build a dashboard, but <laughs> really try to figure out why they need one, what they're going to do with it, how often are they actually going to be looking at it. You will come you will come to find that dashboards don't often get used as you think they are or you think right. they will be. And so it's important to really understand the why behind it. I create many visualizations all the time to help my audience see what it is I'm trying to communicate, especially if I'm recommending a change somewhere. I do want to use data to get my point across, because that's what I do. I like to use factual evidence to support my cause. And so whether that is a bar chart, whether it's putting together something a little bit more fancy with images and just doing line charts that look a little, look a lot more cleaned up. I like to clean up my charts as much as possible. I keep them simple, but effective. So that's my, that's my motto, simple, but effective. So if you go out to like Tableau Public and the visualizations of the day, I do subscribe to the vis visualizations of the day yeah. to see what other people are doing. Oh, you do that as well. So it's not just me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So I like to see the visuals of the day to see what other people are creating and get inspired for new ideas. And so I will I'll look at them and say like, okay, I didn't realize you could do certain things like that. And so I'll get ideas all the time. But I see for my audience, if it gets, if I'm into the aesthetics too much, it takes away from what they need to know. And so I always keep that simple but effective in the back of my mind, depending on that audience. That's a really good motto to live by, especially because sometimes we get maybe enamored by a more complex looking visualization, mm -hmm. but it may not be the simplest and easily under understood one by our audience. So, and right. I really like the point that you made about 
gathering the requirements with your audience or your stakeholders before creating dashboards because there is like this important distinction that you mentioned between what they want versus what they need and we should focus on the need and sometimes your stakeholders don't even know the difference right Right. and so it's in this requirements gathering stage where you have to ask these questions carefully worded in a way to figure it out while talking with them to differentiate what is it that they need versus want and I think that really helps with you know having your dashboard get used at the end because if it is what they need then they'll actually be referencing it often so and if they also follow the motto keeping it simple but effective (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a balancing act for sure. And you will, you'll learn over time the best like questions to ask. The key is in the questions that you ask. So you ask, ask good questions, you get good answers. So keep them open-ended when you go in to have these discussions with your stakeholders, get them to talk. The more they talk about the problem, their needs, the more insight you're getting into the the why that they need it. Yeah, this is a great tip. Thank you for sharing that with us. Could you tell us about the biggest challenge you've had to overcome in your career when communicating your work and how you overcame that? Yeah, so I think the my biggest challenge, I think that many people can probably relate to when communicating my work is literally communicating my work and standing up in front of a group of people and talking about something that I've created and having to look out and not freeze up or think about, oh, I'm, I'm talking too fast. I'm talking too slow. I don't know what I'm talking about at all. So all of the thoughts that go on in your head when you're speaking publicly to a large group of people, any that, that imposter syndrome kicks in really, really fast, especially when you're up there alone, having to like talk through your analysis and then you know, the questions start kicking in and then you really get nervous. Like, oh, can I answer these questions? Are they going to be over my head? But of course, none of that ends up happening because it's all in, it's mostly all, all in your head. But I think what's helped me overcome it, and this is very practical advice, but it does work, is to practice what you're going to say in front of your colleagues, friends, your family, and get feedback on the way that you're communicating. Ask people for feedback. Does it make sense? Were you able to follow? So asking these questions, presentation and communication, it's not just all about what you say. It's also about how you say it and how Mm -hmm. it comes across. So making sure that your nonverbal and your verbal is matching together. Understand, you know, how to... (laughs) work technology, what you do with your hands. There's so many elements that goes into communication That's it's not just just being able to speak. It's a lot more than that. And then also, if you're, you know, you're an analyst, you know what you're doing. You know that obviously you're going to triple, quadruple check the numbers, make sure they're right, make sure your presentation deck looks great. But go ahead and practice it as as much as you need. I like to over-practice a lot because I like to get different opinions. Mm -hmm. And the more I'm saying it, the more comfortable I feel. And I'm less nervous after I practice something just than just stepping up there and just speaking out of nowhere. So that is 
I know that's that's very practical advice, but it definitely works. It's very helpful, especially for, as you mentioned, for nerves and calming anxiety. I used to be a very anxious presenter, and I think I still would be if I didn't start to practice several times before delivering a presentation. And sometimes I do a lot of it depending on what's at stake with this presentation. And it's what I advise my students as well is like the more you practice, the more prepared you feel, the less nervous you feel if you know the content of your presentation really well. But at the same time, what you mentioned as well, you know, when we practice, if we can get feedback from others, I think that when we're talking about a topic that we know very well, it's hard for us to understand how other people will view it. And so it's great to get feedback if, as you mentioned, like if the flow makes sense, if the content, the message is very clear. And if you cannot do that with a colleague or your boss, then at least recording yourself video and audio and then playing it back to, you know, as you mentioned, like a lot of it is nonverbal communication to see if your hands and your facial expressions and the tone of your voice, all these things, they all also contribute in delivering the message to your audience. So you brought up very great points and it's really great to see you overcome this challenge that I know a lot of people can relate to. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, my pleasure. On the flip side, what is like the best thing that has happened to you since you've started to work on improving your data communication skills at whatever point you did that in your career? Because I know you've been working in the data field for 10 years. So I imagine that happened a while ago. And how did it feel like when that happened? I think the best thing that's happened to me is I started to gain influence. And so that is so important, especially in a corporate environment, when you start, people, people listen to you and then they, you know, your advice is taken and applied and you are heard because people acknowledge that she knows what she's talking about. And when you're confident in what you do, you're able to communicate effectively. You've shown up, you've done the work, you start to get recognized for that. And then comes promotions, more responsibility, more complex work, challenging. And I I personally love a good challenge. That's awesome, especially since I know there, for many data professionals, they will be in situations where they don't have a lot of authority, but there's opportunity mm-hmm. for influence. So I like how you mentioned that is actually a, a positive thing you saw come out of this. So that's that's very inspiring to hear and a great benefit and motivation for those who are listening to improve your data communication skills. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Can you share your top three tips for data professionals who want to improve their communication skills? Yeah, absolutely. So I think my first tip would be to in order to improve your communication skills, you have to work at improving your communication skills. So I would say volunteer to speak publicly. It and it doesn't have to be data related, but if it's just something else that you really are passionate about, you don't have to do a bunch of research on it, but just volunteer to get in front of people and speak. Not only does it just build exposure for yourself, but you need to get in the habit of doing things scared sometimes. If it makes you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. Go ahead and do it anyway. Raise your hand, you know, at the big meetings, you know, use your voice. 
you have it for a reason, go ahead and offer your input. Offer to host a training session on something. I don't really care what it is, but the more that you get in front of people speaking, getting used to it, getting more comfortable, you will get better at it. I honestly believe that anything that you work at, you will improve on that thing. The second thing I would say is something that I like to do. So there is an app called Speako is a public speaking app. And essentially I downloaded it on my phone. It's a, it's a free app, but you can pay for like certain upgrades. But essentially what it does is takes you through exercises. It gives you like prompts to read and you read them out loud. It records you, plays them back, and then gives you feedback. So it's recording how fast you're talking, how slow you're talking, the pitch of your voice that you're using. And then it gives you tips on how to, you know, enhance your public speaking skills and how you're communicating. And then you could try it again and work on it until it gets better. And it's just, it's just a great resource. It's a great app. Please use technology whenever you can, especially there's just an app for everything right now. And I, I love using technology, using resources that are available to me, you know, especially a lot of people maybe not have the money for a professional coach to help them through their communication skills. But this is a free app that you can download that will help you in your communication. So I love that. And my third thing specifically, this is going to be specifically data related. Work on your data visualization skills to help you communicate with your with your audience the things that they should care about. The communication, as we talked about earlier, is not always speaking. But your presentations, they they can speak too. So the way that your data is being visualized or the way that you set it up to communicate to your audience can help you when you're up, up on a stage or maybe just on a Teams call or a Zoom call trying to communicate slides or your dashboard or your reports. Working on those data visualization skills of certain colors to use or not use, certain charts are better than others. And so understanding kind of what what looks best when communicating with data is a way to improve your communication skills as well. I appreciate you sharing all these tips with our listeners. And one last thing before we end, I wanted to also talk about this mentorship program that you are starting for data professionals. Could you tell us more about this program and who who it will be catered towards? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a really funny thing. So when I first started Her Analytics, my Instagram page, I at first thought it would take some time before... It would, it would get any attention at all because I just talked to a few people that are on social media, on Instagram, and they're just like, yeah, it might take like a year, two years before anyone actually, oh wow, you know, notices it. So, you know, you'll have some time. And so I'm like, okay, because I really wanted to, I wanted to give back to where I felt that I lacked early on in my analytics journey. And that's, that was my reason for starting it, and especially women, just because there are, are I, I feel like we have 
everything against us <laughs> in the corporate world and just like in analytics in general. And so I wanted to give back to other women that were looking to get into data or wanted to transition into data. And I was thinking, you know, only, oh, there's only going to be a handful of people. It won't even be that many. And so literally a few months after starting, I think I probably have three, 400 DMs right now, people requesting to be part of this mentorship program. <laughs> like, That's okay, amazing. this was in the last two weeks alone, I think I, I went from like, 5,000 to 8,000 followers in two weeks. And I am, I'm, I don't really know what's going on. Obviously I need to analyze my own data to see what's happening here, (laughs) but I wanted to do more like one-on-one mentorship right now. I'm trying to find ways to scale the program to help more people, but I, I still haven't worked that completely out. So currently right now, it will be a one-on-one mentorship program with only a handful of people. Unfortunately, I can, I haven't found a way to reach the masses. You've, you've done a great job with the, with the podcast, I think, but I'm trying to find a way to scale a mentorship program to reach a lot more people. But right now, By the end of May, I will be going live with the mentorship program. It will only be, unfortunately, open to 20 people. And you will get to sign up, basically, for slots of time with me. And then I'll be available through, like, text message, like, offering advice, resources, things like that. And I was gearing the program to women that are interested in analytics or trying to transition from what what they may be doing now into an analytics career. So that's who it's targeted for. That's amazing. And I know you seem surprised by your Instagram account blowing up, but I'm not. I mean, for anyone following Brittany, she has been consistently putting out great content reels, which I know it takes a lot of time to put into that, but you've been so consistent. I feel like you're always posting reels. So that's amazing. I mean, it's definitely well-deserved and I'm really glad that you- Oh, thank you. Yeah, that you started this. I know you felt unprepared because you thought you had a couple of years, (laughs) but you know, it's- I'm not surprised you're also getting hundreds of DMs about mentorships because I also, I I don't do mentorship. I have online courses, but I still get questions about mentorships and, you know, where people can find mentors because that's still something that people need. Like they could, you know, I could provide them a podcast and courses, but there's some people who still want that one-on-one mentorship. And so now I know where to point people. (laughs) I'm sorry if I'm going to add more people to your DMs, but yeah. No, that's why I created this. Instagram for people to reach out and feel comfortable that, you know, they can ask questions if they have Mm. them. So I don't turn people away from sending me DMs if they have. Just know that it may take me some time to answer them. So I may not answer the same day or the next day, but I will answer them. Thank you so much for doing that for the data community. So if people have questions for you or they just want to connect with you, where can people contact you? 
Yeah, so please go to my Instagram account. It's her analytics and send me a message. You can also reply directly to one of my many, many reels that I have. I do get the notifications for them and people put comments. I do like to answer as many of them as I can. I do have three young children as well. So like I said, it may be some time before I get back, but I will answer. Thank you so much, Brittany, again, for coming on the show today to share all this valuable advice and tips. And I look forward to hopefully having you again in the future for another episode. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Brittany and learned a lot from her advice and experiences. At the time that we recorded this episode, Brittany's free mentorship program had not launched yet. It is now live and you can sign up to be on the waitlist on her website, heranalytics.com. This is a free mentorship program and I'll have her website and socials linked in the podcast show notes. Thanks for listening to The Art of Communicating Data. Please subscribe so you never miss out on any brand new episodes. And give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and a written review as it helps other data practitioners find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Thanks for listening and here's to improving your data communication.